Some people think that that was the actual spot, the southwest corner of the temple. Just below was a massive staircase where thousands upon thousands of Jewish pilgrims would have come to celebrate the Jewish festivals. And just imagine it, if Jesus would have jumped in full view and they would have gasped. I'm so grateful for what happened here. And you should be too. I'm standing right now on a sunny, beautiful day in the city of Jerusalem. And just behind me is the Temple Mount. Before the Romans ripped down every stone, that was where the holy temple of the Israelite people stood. And that's the place where the devil tried to tempt Jesus so that you and I would have no chance at being with God. The devil knew that if Jesus slipped just once, if he compromised his faith a, a single time, if he listened to the father of lies instead of his father in heaven, then we could never be forgiven because Jesus won't be the perfect sacrifice. And about 2,000 years ago, in a spot much like that, Jesus made sure that you would be saved. Let me read to you the familiar story of Jesus' temptation. Then the devil took Jesus to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it's written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Some people think that that was the actual spot, the southwest corner of the temple. Just below was a massive staircase where thousands upon thousands of Jewish pilgrims would have come to celebrate the Jewish festivals. And just imagine it, if Jesus would have jumped in full view and they would have gasped. And then the father would have sent an angel to pick up Jesus before his foot hit a stone. Oh, they would have loved him. If you're the son of God, prove it, the devil taunted him. But do you know what Jesus did? He didn't jump. Yeah, I play on Saturday mornings some church basketball. And I've noticed even among us Christian guys that when someone eggs us on, dares us, taunts us, we do dumb things. I bet you can't make it from there, you say to the guy who definitely can't make it from there. And he does, right, because he wants to prove you wrong. Now, we're tempted by those moments and, and Jesus faced that temptation too. It, if you're so good, if you're the son of God, then do it, prove it. But let me read the end of this beautiful story. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus didn't jump. Can you picture him just standing up there with a frustrated devil? Can you see the face of our Heavenly Father smiling upon his perfect, obedient, righteous son? I hope so. Because that's the way the devil and the Father feel about you. The devil is so frustrated that when you have Jesus, you have eternal life. He can't crush you, make you plunge into this pit of despair or hell because you have a father who loves you because Jesus was obedient. We often think about the great things that Jesus did on the other side of the city where he died on the cross. But it's in places like this where he was perfectly loving, perfectly obedient, and because of that, we are perfectly holy and completely saved. Thank God for his obedient son. <laughs> That's the powerful gospel message we learn right here in the city of Jerusalem. If you follow Jesus, it doesn't matter what you're going through, what's around the corner, what's up with your kids, your friends, your work, our country, it doesn't matter because Jesus said this. I am standing here at Magdala, the home of Mary Magdalene and the site of one of the incredible archaeological finds of the past 20 years. 
Back in 2009, archaeologists found just 12 inches below the surface of the soil this, a first century synagogue in Galilee. But actually what they found before the synagogue was that stone that you see right behind me. A little stone about, I don't know, about two feet wide, just over a foot tall. It's called the Magdala Stone. Uh, it dates back to the first century and actually has depictions of the lights, the lampstand that was in the temple that you found in Jerusalem. And I love thinking about that. The Gospel of Matthew says that Jesus preached the kingdom of God in the synagogues of Galilee, which means he almost certainly preached it here. Wow, like I'm, I'm standing where Jesus stood and where he preached the good news of forgiveness from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, his heavenly Father. And that stone reminds me of something powerful Jesus said in John chapter 8. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It's amazing. He, he is the light. Just like the, the carving, the inscription on that stone reminded us that God is light. In the temple, the light of that candle stand, it never went out. That God always brings us the light and the hope and the peace that we have through Jesus. And if you follow Jesus, you'll never be in the dark. You might face some difficult situations. You might have some unknowns in your future. But if you're walking by Jesus' side, there's always the bright light of his love and his plans for you, which will never fail. Sometimes I think about Mary Magdalene. She was with Jesus when he died, when he preached these words, when he rose from the dead and said her name, when he ascended back into heaven. And sometimes I wonder if she came back here. And I wonder if she sat on those stones right behind me and she looked at that stone and saw that inscription and she thought not just about the temple in Jerusalem but about her teacher, Jesus. The one who she followed, the one who gave her light, the one who rescued her from the darkness of her past. I wonder if she looked at that stone and smiled. I know that you can. If you follow Jesus, it doesn't matter what you're going through, What's around the corner? What's up with your kids, your friends, your work, our country? It doesn't matter because Jesus said this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's the beautiful news of Jesus' love and his light that we learn right here at Magdala. As Christians, we're not perfect. Far from it. We sin every day and we struggle. But filled with the Holy Spirit, we can reflect the light that we have seen from the face of God. Sometimes you don't really understand what Jesus taught until you stand in the place that Jesus stood. <laughs> and that's how I feel today. I'm standing in front of a beautiful church on the Mount of Beatitudes. This is the place where Christians remember the Sermon on the Mount that famous message that Jesus taught in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And there's a famous line in that message you might have heard before, but you never really understand it until you stand right here. Let me share Jesus' words. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others 
that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. (laughs) Now, I'm standing here and the Sea of Galilee is behind me. But it's not just behind me, it's way, way, way below me. Because this part of Galilee is built with incredible hills. It's breathtaking as you drive the winding highways. And everyone who would have heard this original sermon would have known exactly what Jesus meant. When you're down on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus did much of his ministry, you can look up and see these little cities built on a hill and they're clear as day from far away, even at night. And that's what Jesus says about you. You are the light of the world. He's exalted you to this high position as a a child of heaven. And if people know that you're a Christian, the people in your family, the people you work with, your next door neighbor, it's like Jesus has raised you up to do what? Oh, he said, let your light shine that people may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. As Christians, we're not perfect. Far from it. We sin every day and we struggle. But filled with the Holy Spirit, we can reflect the light that we have seen from the face of God. When we're suffering, we can tell our neighbors that we know it's going to be okay because God's got it and he's with us. When we mess up or our marriage isn't perfect, we can tell our family we're so thankful for God's patience and his compassion. It's not just about these amazing things that we do. It's the amazing confession that we make that our God is gracious, he's patient, he's powerful, and he's good. So remember what you are. You are the light of the world. You're the city that's built on a hill. People see you. They know that you're a believer. So let your light shine, that people can see your good deeds and praise our Father in heaven. That's the message we learned when we stand where Jesus stood, right here at the Mount of Beatitudes. If you follow Jesus, not everyone will love you or accept you. They might not agree with your values or everything you post on social media. And it's very tempting to play it safe and stay inside the city where we deny Jesus with our words and actions. Ah, I'm standing in the old city of Jerusalem. It's a bright, beautiful day. Uh, It's also a busy day. It's a Jewish holiday. So if you hear cars and children and horns and motorcycles, uh, don't panic. That's just life in the big city. I'm actually standing in front of the Zion Gate, uh, one of the many gates that surrounds uh, and fills the ancient walls of Jerusalem. Uh, If you don't know much about the ancient world, they built walls because people weren't always nice. When enemies would come marching in, the walls would keep you safe and keep you away from the danger that was outside. But you still had to build gates, right? For people to come in and out, to work the fields, to get water, to visit relatives. And they could close the gates if there was any danger. There's this really interesting line in the book of Hebrews that mentions what happened to Jesus when he died. Listen to these words from Hebrews chapter 13. So Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. That's a way of saying Jesus physically was crucified outside the city of Jerusalem, out in this dangerous place where enemies were and uh, you know exactly what happened to him. And yet, listen to how the passage continues. Let us then, as believers, go to Jesus outside the camp bearing the disgrace that he bore. That's a call to leave the safety and security of these little cities that we build for ourselves, to truly follow Jesus even if it means we have to take up a cross and suffer for him. In fact, the whole book of Hebrews is about that, that if you follow Jesus, not everyone will love you or accept you. 
They might not agree with your values or everything you post on social media. And it's very tempting to play it safe and stay inside the city where we deny Jesus with our words and actions. But the author here says, no, let us go to Jesus outside the camp, outside the city, bearing the disgrace he bore. And let me leave you with the reason why. Verse 14, for here, with Jesus, we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Like even a city like Jerusalem can only keep you safe for so long. Eventually you take your last breath and you have to see God. But if you go to Jesus and give up everything in this life, Jesus offers you the heavenly Jerusalem, a place that's filled with joy and happiness, comfort, safety. There is no threat, no danger. There's just God and it endures forever. So don't be afraid to suffer for Jesus. At your middle school, your college, your family, on your social media feed, Jesus offers you the best thing in all of human history, a place in the city of God. That's the powerful message we learned right here at the city of Jerusalem. So I understand why some other people might not understand. But if you're a follower of Jesus, know that you have the greatest motivation in the world. Has someone that you know that isn't a Christian ever wondered why you do the things you do? Like maybe you go to church when they sleep in and they kind of feel bad for you? Or you give some of your money or volunteer your time to help a ministry and they think that you could have so much more? Or you're not doing this thing that they're doing which is pretty fun in the moments and they kind of feel like your life is pathetic? If you've ever felt that way, I want to tell you a story that happened right here in the town of Capernaum. I'm standing in the archaeological ruins of the town where Jesus did his ministry, the place where he moved after Nazareth. And there's a little story that happened here in Capernaum that reminds me why we as Christians do what we do. It comes from Matthew chapter 8 and here's what it said. When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her and she got up and began to wait on him. I love that little line. Here she is sick. Jesus comes to this very place, lays his hand on her and like that she's better. And what does she do? She got up and began to wait on him. <laughs> he didn't have to demand it. He didn't have to say, if you don't, you're going to go to hell. She did it. She wanted to. This in theology is what we call gospel motivation. That we Christians are motivated to do things, even hard things, sacrificial things, because we know what Jesus has done for us first. Maybe he hasn't healed every physical sickness, but he's healed our sin, he's erased our shame, he's given us the hope of eternal life, and because he's given us so much, we love to serve him even when it's hard. So I understand why some other people might not understand. But if you're a follower of Jesus, know that you have the greatest motivation in the world. As Jesus' friend John later put it, we love, we serve, we give, we love because he first loved us. And someday in heaven, when you meet Peter's mother-in-law, she would tell you the same thing. It's worth waiting on Jesus when he gives you a reason to worship him. That's the powerful lesson of gospel motivation that we learn right here in the town of Capernaum. Well, I hope you have enjoyed these Israel Grace Talks as much as I had filming them. Uh, actually though, there are dozens and dozens of more that I would love to show you. They're going to be exclusively on my Instagram account starting in October. You can find that on Instagram at Pastor Mike Novotny and I hope you can get a lot more Israel 
and most importantly, a lot more Jesus. Thanks for watching and we'll talk to you soon. Earlier this year, I got to explore Israel. I'm sitting literally in the place where Jesus' feet touched. I saw some amazing places. In the old city of Jerusalem, in the Garden of Gethsemane, beautiful Nazareth, on the Mount of Beatitudes, Capernaum, on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And I can't wait to share these video devotions with you. We're so grateful that you listened to this podcast and we would love for more people to listen to it too. So if you wouldn't mind rating and reviewing this podcast, you can help this message to reach more hearts, more souls, so that more people can be satisfied by the love of God. Thanks for your support and we'll talk to you soon.